Welcome to Pod Planet, a place where things happen that may sound unbelievable, strange, incredible. If you've ever wondered if you were weird or strange or the odd man out, these stories will restore your belief that there are indeed people out there who are weirder, stranger, and odder than you ever imagined. Perhaps you'll find some comfort in that. Bear in mind, Every story from Pod Planet is between 83 and 100% true. These are stories we have experienced, survived, and lived to tell about. Let us begin. And now, Pod Planet presents Search and Rescue. Chapter 1 The Search. Oh my God, help, William's gone missing, cried Eve. William, in this case, wasn't Eve's husband, or son, or elderly grandfather. William was Eve's pet monkey, and Eve, an opera singer, rented the cozy one-bedroom apartment in my parents' house. Her monthly rent helped pay my parents' mortgage, and William, her needy little simian, was just along for the ride. William seldom left his cage unless accompanied by the porcelain-skinned Eve. When he was out of his cage, William clung to Eve in abject fear, unless he was masturbating on the ottoman. But this was understandable. William's ancestors evolved in the Amazon. One look at William, and you knew he was made for the rainforest, not masturbating on a living room set from Ethan Allen. Other than a polite hello and goodbye, I never said much to Eve. We rarely saw each other. Her apartment was self-contained with a separate entrance, and Eve was pretty private. I had to deliver a package to her apartment once, and one sight of William was enough for me. But I heard Eve singing a lot. The Marriage of Figaro, The Magic Flute, Rigoletto, The Barber of Seville. You get the picture. Eve was a real thrush, throaty, yet as melodious as a finch. Like I said, my parents were the landlords, and Eve their tenant. My dad was a doctor. My mother, she was a self-styled socialite. I had an older brother, too, a brother who was a teenager and kept his door shut most of the time. But the saga of our live-in boarders, Eve and William, took a dark turn one Saturday morning in July. I was sitting in the living room when Eve burst in. Eve announced in a voice full of operatic emotion, Oh dear God, someone please help me. William's gone. Gone, I tell you. With all the drama, it wasn't long before my parents rushed in. What the hell's going on here? My father wanted to know. It's Eve, I said. Her roommate escaped. A crisis at hand, my father called an emergency meeting at the dining room table. My errant brother came to the meeting, and of course, Eve was there. We were going to be, as my father put it, first responders. Naturally, my mother was assigned to man the phone lines. She called the neighbors and put out an APB on William. In the background, I heard her talking. Yes, a squirrel monkey. 16 inches tall, black hair, sandy fur coat, big eyes, orange feet and hands. Yes, long arms. Seems to masturbate a lot. Yes, you can't miss him. 
Then Mother began to lose the narrative. Did the Gladstones buy a new car? I just got the most glorious pair of Capri pants. Did Laura change her hair color? I figured she would after her husband ran off with the nanny. Will you hear anything about the monkey or anything else about Laura's husband? Call me. Okay. Okay. Okay, darling. Ciao for now. Ostensibly, these phone calls were meant to build an ad hoc search and rescue initiative among the neighbors. But my mother, the gossip, spent more time talking about who'd had liposuction or whose daughter was pregnant than she did trying to track down William, the masturbating monkey. While mother gabbed with her friends on the phone, father was in the kitchen putting together some bait to lower William out of hiding. He returned to the dining room with four small packs of stale Fritos corn chips from last Halloween and a handful of shriveled up brown dates. Dad, I asked, do squirrel monkeys like Fritos? This is no time for your smart-ass questions, Dr. Dad replied. Let's get to work. Anyway, my father grabbed a map and divided the neighborhood into four distinct quadrants. My older brother was assigned to the south. Eve and my father took the north and west quadrants. And me, I was in charge of the east. Start on the perimeter of your assigned area, my father said. Then move in toward the center of this map where I've drawn this X. Let's call this Point Alpha. Moving from the outside in to Point Alpha, it's a classic pincer movement. We'll have that monkey back in no time. And so my dad, the doctor, who'd never served in the military, had suddenly turned into Sergeant York. I'm surprised he didn't command us to synchronize our watches. So, armed with corn chips and dates and a jaunty sense of purpose, we set out on our mission. I walked east along the nearest street in what I guessed was a flanking maneuver. I didn't want to scare the little shit, so I softly called out his name. William. William, where are you? Look, I have stuff. Come on, William. I even tried whistling. It works for dogs. Why not monkeys? I don't know if my attention span was shorter than a monkey, but after five minutes on the monkey patrol, I threw in the towel. To be honest, I had no fondness for William. He was just a simian freeloader with a penchant for masturbation. So I snuck home and tiptoed past my brother's room. He'd thrown in the towel even faster than me, and I shut my bedroom door. A half hour later, I snuck back downstairs and slammed the front door loudly enough to create the illusion I was just getting in from the search for William. When I entered the kitchen, my mother had just hung up the phone, was freshening her lip gloss, and announced William had been found at the neighborhood pharmacy. Alive. Chapter 2. The Rescue. Moments after my mother told me about William, my father and Eve the opera singer stepped into the kitchen, looking crestfallen. They'd eaten their stash of Fritos, but still had the dates. Any news? Asked my father. Yes. Said my mother. William is at the pharmacy, the Mayfair Pharmacy. Lou the pharmacist just called. William's alive. Eve was cautious, but excited. William? Are you sure it's my William? She exclaimed. 
Well, said my mother, Lou at the pharmacy said there was a bug-eyed monkey hanging from a ceiling light, and he was masturbating. Sounds like William to me. Because ours was a fairly tight-knit neighborhood, Lou and my father were well acquainted. So my father grabbed his medical bag, along with some dates, and we piled into the family car to drive exactly one city block. Eve, my mother, my father, and me. 45 seconds later, we arrived at the pharmacy. To keep William inside the store, Lou had the pharmacy on lockdown. When Lou saw us, he opened the door. The pharmacy was a total mess. Scattered with vitamins, candy bars, shampoo bottles, cans of cat food, pills, lots and lots of pills. We looked up and saw William, who was observing our entrance from the overhead lights. He began to chatter when he saw his mistress, Eve. Then William began swinging from neon ceiling light to neon ceiling light, as though the pharmacy's light fixtures were jungle vines. He came to a stop, turned toward us, and resumed masturbating. No surprise there. My mother tried to cover my eyes, but I knew what William was doing. I couldn't look away. None of us could. A distraught Eve reached both hands skyward toward William and said, Baby, come to Mommy. Please, William. Mommy misses you. Eve was sobbing. Meanwhile, my mother used the opportunity to borrow one of Lou's emery boards and touch up her fingernails. After all, there was a cocktail party at the Gladstones to go to in a couple of hours. But Eve's pitiful pleas had no effect on William. He was happy upon his light fixture, pleasuring himself. So my father motioned for Lou to step behind the pharmacy counter. My father reached into his pocket and withdrew the last remaining date. It was brown, shriveled, ugly, and he held it up for Lou to examine. Then my father asked Lou to fetch him an Ambien. For listeners who don't suffer sleeplessness, Ambien is a popular, by prescription only, tranquilizer. It'll knock the stuffing out of you for the night. It's pretty sweet. So, Lou opened a blister pack and handed an Ambien to my father. My father removed a scalpel from his doctor's bag and made a small incision in the center of the date. Silently, as though he was reading my father's mind, Lou carefully placed the Ambien into the freshly cut fruit and squeezed it shut with his fingers. With this, my father called Eve's attention and handed her the drug-stuffed date. Whispering loudly, father said, Feed him this date, Eve. Feed him the date. Eve, 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 the date, Eve. Feed William the date. Eve nodded in compliance. Standing beneath the light, amidst a mess of vitamins and Q-tips, Eve held the date within easy reach of her horny little roommate. In a flash, William grabbed the sweet dried fruit and popped it in his mouth, whole. And just like that, it was gone. Oh, William. Now all we had to do was wait. Pharmacist Lou mused the monkey would be out cold in less than two minutes. And so we waited. As Lou predicted two minutes later, William stopped fondling himself and tumbled into the arms of his human companion, Eve. My mother grabbed a white tea towel from the kitchen aisle and handed it to Eve so she could wrap up 
Sweet William. Lou, the pharmacist, declared the crisis officially over and escorted us to the door. As we left, Eve apologized to everyone for the ruckus William had caused. But Lou waved it off. No problem. I get my share of asses in the pharmacy. But this monkey? That's a first. <laughs> then, we ambled back to the car with the sleeping monkey in tow and went home. Epilogue. A few weeks later, William disappeared from my world. My parents directed Eve to find a more suitable home for William, the wayward spider monkey. So Eve ended up selling William to an organ grinder. I didn't even know organ grinders existed anymore, but the organ grinder and his new sidekick, William the Spider Monkey, became local celebrities and partners in what was to become a somewhat profitable endeavor. And it became even more profitable when the organ grinder created a website for William to display his masturbatory tendencies. So as it turns out, people were willing to pay good money to go online and watch William the Spider Monkey pleasure himself. Of course, this was heartbreaking to Eve. She so missed her dearest friend, William. And matters only became worse when William became a local celebrity, and later, an adults-only internet sensation. As you might expect, all of this took its toll on Eve. I could still hear Eve's operatic vocal stylings floating up from her apartment. But while the melodies before were haunting and beautiful, now Eve's voice was a shadow of its former self. Something was gone. The tute was missing from her cosi fan tute. It was as if, with William's departure, Eve's inner spark had been somehow extinguished. And the songs she sang now, songs that had once seemed so rich, so fanciful, had become as homogenized as a tepid glass of 2% milk. You've been listening to Pod Planet Season 1. Pod Planet is written and produced by Peter McHugh and Clive Desmond. This week's episode, Search and Rescue, features guest star Catherine Ashby as my mother. You can find out more about the fantastic Catherine Ashby in the episode credit section of our webpage. GoPodPlanet.org. Pod Planet is one word. Audio and digital support for Pod Planet comes from Oliver Wickham and Aidan Vickery two of the best and brightest young minds in audio today. Theme music for Pod Planet Season 1 was composed and produced by Richard Suddy, a.k.a. Telegraphy, from Detroit. Look for Telegraphy's FMA link in the credits section of our webpage. Richard Suddy is an amazing artist, and you'll want to hear more Telegraphy. Every Pod Planet episode contains some fantastic original music, much of which is courtesy FMA. If you'd like to hear or know more about the composers from this or any episode of Pod Planet, look for their links in the episode credits section of our webpage. These musicians are amazing and you'll want to take a listen to their work. And special thanks again to FMA.org. And if you haven't subscribed to Pod Planet yet, subscribe now. 
go to our webpage, podplanet.org, podplanet's one word, and click on subscribe or hit follow on whatever podcatcher app you're using. You'll find Podplanet on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, iTunes, Lipson, YouTube, and many others. And follow Podplanet on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Links on our webpage. Podplanet is part of PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. So if you're a radio station that would like to add Podplanet to your schedule, look us up at prx.org. PRX can set it all up. We love to hear from listeners. So please leave your thoughts or questions in the comments section on our webpage. And be sure to recommend PodPlanet to your friends. Send them our link, podplanet.org. PodPlanet would like to thank Lydia, Lola, and Tattoo Sound and Music in Toronto, as well as extra special thanks to Monique Kelly for her guidance, insight, and never-ending support. This is PodPlanet Season 1. We'll be back in two weeks with a new and startling episode. Until then, on behalf of Peter McHugh and the whole Pod Planet team, thanks for listening. I'm Clive Desmond.